Amen. I'm glad that somebody touched me one night. Y'all get tired of hearing my testimony, but listen, that's the only one I got. So, uh, raised a preacher's kid, and I say that as as the most humble that I can because I squandered a lot of my learning. Uh, I I could have been a Christian a long long time before I was, but praise God that I am. Paul would say the same thing. He he squandered a lot of his life, but he said, "I am what I am because of the grace of God." Glory be to God. Right. So I I I look back at my history and I'm ashamed because of all the times I've seen God moving in my life and me just squandering that. But at the same time. I wouldn't change one second of it because it got me to where I am right here, Brother Gene. And I thank God for that. Amen. Well, it is December. It is Christmas time. You can see from our screens and the music that we're playing and the lights that are going up and, and, and all of this. And I want to take time. We finished Galatians. And before we jump back into a book series, I want to look at the songs of Christmas. And, and I'm not talking about Joy to the World and, and, and Away in the Manger, but uh, the, the songs of praise that lead up to the birth of the forerunner of Christ and, and Christ. I want to look at the Christmas Advent, the time of God coming incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. And every time you see a move of God, there is evidences of that move. So here comes Christ, right? The Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one, God Himself lowering Himself, coming in flesh. And He didn't just come on the scene. He didn't just come out of the wilderness like John the Baptist will in in the Gospels, right? He didn't just pop up as a human and say, here I am, uh, worship me. Right? He come as a babe in a manger. And before that, He come through prophecy of the Old Testament, the prophets and the law prophesying to the one to come. And even before He gets here, there is evidences of His coming. It's almost as if creation itself, and yes, we are part of creation, creation itself is, is longing and pushing and, and seeing that there's something that's about to happen. And we see that throughout the Gospels. I love the Word of God. He leaves nothing uncovered. He leaves nothing in the shadows. It says the mystery has been revealed to us this morning. That mystery being the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's look with me in the book of Luke chapter 1. I want to look at the first song uh, this morning. And we're going to do this kind of out of order, but in order as as it were. I want to look at the song of... Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. So this is the songs of Christmas, and this is Zechariah's song, his song of praise. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 67, it reads like this, And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited us and accomplished redemption for His people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, His servant. 
as He spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy towards our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath which He swore to Abraham our father to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give to His people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us the sun upon those uh, to shine upon those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace lord i thank you for uh, this uh, this time of year as we leave the season of thanks that we we so call it into uh, this season lord of acknowledging your coming uh, to us, O oh God, as a babe in that major, to grow and to ultimately sacrifice your life, to lay your life down for us, Lord. I ask that you move upon us today, that you help us to see you even more clearly than maybe we see you, and to acknowledge you among this world, Lord. I ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for standing. Like I said, this is our uh, Advent series, and Advent just being the word that. Us humans, we like to make up words. We like to put words for things. And and it just means coming. The first coming. The first advent of Christ. And this is what we're looking back at is His first coming. And what we look forward to is His second coming. His second advent. And, And it's only called second because He's come one time, right? We could say the final advent. Because there is no third or fourth or fifth time that He's coming. The Word of God says that He's created all that we see. Everything was created in Him, by Him, and for Him. And He came and He secured that position for us. He did the will of His Father. He prepares a way for us now. And His promise is yes and amen. He says, I have, I'm going away. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I am done, I'm coming to get you. Amen? And that's what we're here, that's what we're waiting on now. And, and, and you would be uh, remiss to say that inside of your spirit there isn't a, a longing, there isn't a feeling, uh, almost an urgency that, uh, that we're getting closer and closer to this next time. And I don't know if it'll happen in my lifetime or your lifetime or our kids' lifetime. The Word of God says that it can happen when it happens. In the right time, it's coming. Right, He came in the right time and He will come again in the right time. We can place, Lord help me, we can place our assurance in the fact that God knows exactly what He's doing. He knows exactly what's going on. Nothing catches Him by surprise. Nothing catches Him unaware. He didn't wake up this morning because He never sleeps. Right? He didn't wake up this morning and say, oh, here's another day. Let me make sure and get it prepared. No, He has prepared since the days of old, since before creation, our end. And He knows exactly what's going. Nothing is out of proportion today, even though we can look out into this world and go, Lord, like Habakkuk, oh my Lord, what is going on? 
right? The words that come back to Habakkuk was, I see, I know, and I'm doing, right? So here we go. We're preparing this way. We're looking at the forerunner, the one who would come in the spirit of Elijah, the one who before the 400 some odd years of silence, the last book of our Old Testament prophesied saying, Malachi saying, there's going to be one coming. I'm about to shut my mouth. I'm about to shut the mouths of the prophets. You're not going to hear from me. There's going to be a time of loneliness. There's going to be a time of drought far as the word of God. But the next thing that happens is going to be this forerunner. Okay. So here, let's set this up. And we, we could have read all uh, 80 some odd verses, but uh You'll just have to go back and read. And here's, here's the synopsis, right? Luke starts off the first four verses of Luke. I will read those if you want to switch over one paper or one side of your paper. I love the Gospel of Luke. We went through the Gospel of Mark. I love the Gospel of Luke because we don't have blind faith. Our faith is not blind. Our faith isn't set in myth or legend. Our, our faith is set in fact and that's exactly what Luke sets to to write out he says insomuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of things accomplished among us just as they were handed down to us by those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord so this isn't myth this isn't legend right Luke is saying I've did the legwork I've talked to the people everything that I'm about to write to you has either been eyewitnessed by me or somebody that I know, okay? It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it out to you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus. So this is a letter written to a person, right? And we glean from it as well. So that you may know the exact truth about the things which you have been taught. That's what we're doing. It's not enough for me to get up here and to tell you a lot of cool things. It's not enough for me to get up here and to expound upon the Word and to tell you what the Word means and, and we can look in the Greek and we can look in the Hebrew and we can do all that things. But if it isn't grounded in truth, it's just me up here for 40 some odd minutes telling you things. But this is the Word of the Lord. It isn't just because it sounds good. And this isn't just because I've been raised in it. It's because if you do the legwork, if you actually study to show yourself approved, the Word of God backs itself up. So verse 5 starts the birth of John the Baptist being foretold. And what we see is it's in the days of Herod, king of Judah. Do your research. That's a very bad man. This is Herod the Great. He isn't great because he's a great guy. He's great, but he's known because he built a bunch of great cities, built a bunch of big temples, one being the temple that we see Christ worshiping in, but also temples to the Roman gods and temples to the Grecian gods. He was a great man in the eyes of the world, but he's also the one who, because he wasn't able to get to this baby, this prophesied Messiah, he just orders with his mouth, just kill every male child in Bethlehem from two years down. We'll just wipe them out. This is not a good man. This is the time in which we find that Jesus comes to 
this earth. This isn't a good time of peace, even though this is the advent of peace. This isn't a very hopeful situation, even though He is the advent of hope. This isn't a very good time in our history. This is a very dark time in our history. Especially for the history of the church, the history of God's people. So he starts off in the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest, and his name was Zacharias. And he was from the division of Abijah and his wife from the daughters of Aaron. So this is a this is someone of good lineage, right? Not just Zechariah, but Elizabeth as well. Very hard to trace back through the the Babylonian capture and the Syrian capture and all of this, but somehow or another, Elizabeth was able to trace her lineage all the way back to Aaron. And, and that's a huge, a huge thing. But they were both, verse 6, here it is, they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blameless in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. Were they sinners? Absolutely. Absolutely. But they were righteous. Same as us in our salvation. Only by grace I am what I am. And God sees me as righteous, and I don't deserve that mercy, but yet He does. And He sees us as He sees His Son because His Son's blood has been spread across our heart. And we don't deserve that mercy, but we have hope in it. I don't deserve to have peace about my salvation. I don't deserve to have peace about where I'm going to rest my head for eternity. But the Word of God says that it's going to be in the breast of our Lord. Around His throne. So Zacharias, he's a righteous man. He's a priest. And, and at this time, there's some 20 thousand priests if you do the history and they all have something to do in this grand temple and and it was a once in a lifetime thing because it was done by lot by random uh, a random pick a lottery and Zechariah gets picked probably the only time in his life to burn the incense that day that's that's his job he's going to go into work and he's going to present himself and he's going to cleanse himself and he's going to give the offer of incense and it's a this is a huge thing like this never happened before probably will never happen again for Zechariah and priests didn't have a retirement age levites did uh, but priests you just was a priest till you died and you just did what you could and your responsibilities were 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 such and, and so he's he walks into not the holy of holies but this inner holy sanctum and, and he's doing his his due diligence and then here comes the angel of the lord here comes gabriel he says guess what god's heard your prayer and you're going to give birth to a son through elizabeth and and he says i don't know how that's going to happen cuz we're old and the angel says here's something else you're not going to talk until it happens you're the only one that knows this. Okay? Because listen, he's, he's in a place by himself. They're on the outside. He's on the inside. This angel comes. Now imagine just being us, right? And this happens. And first thing is coming through your mind. i got to tell some people. And then you're struck mute. And you can't. And the Word of God says, it's all in there in the first 80 verses. Go back and read. And he says he comes out and he was motioning to him and he was trying to speak, but he, but he couldn't. And... Their perception wasn't he went crazy. He, their perception is 
something miraculous must have happened inside the, inside the temple. He's seen, he's seen something. Something has happened. And from that moment on, the cogs start to turn. The wheels start to be placed into motion. And he speaks. The first thing that he says is when John the Baptist is born and Elizabeth is about to name him something, but the angel has done told him that his name's going to be John. So the first thing that he says is his name will be John. And then, okay, all right, cool. Daddy's speaking now. Sweet. But then the next thing that happens is where we pick up. And I need us to understand that. Has anybody ever read these accounts? Have you ever noticed that there were several people filled with the Holy Ghost before the day of Pentecost? Right? And it's, it's very key people. It wasn't for all. Jesus even says that, right? Right now it's for the Jews. Right now it's for you. He said that to the disciples. Right now it's for this one. Right now it's for that one. Soon it will be for all, right? Soon it will be to the Gentiles. Soon it will be to the nations. Uh, but here we have the, the key people in response and responsibility to the forerunner and the Messiah are given what they need to accomplish the task. So we pick up and it says, and his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then he spoke. He said his name is John, right? But then he said where we picked up and what we read. And it's in two parts. It's easy this morning. First part, it's about the Messiah it's about Jesus. It's about the one to come. And the second part, it's about His Son. I need you to understand that. Zacharias was a priest, a righteous priest. And he was a father for the first time. And they shouldn't have been a mother or father. Elizabeth was barren. She, she had never had kids. They were past the age of having kids. And yet, here they are. And the first thing that he says is praise to God. That's important for us to understand that this morning. Has God done things for you in your life? Yeah. yeah absolutely. Are you praising Him for those things? Has he, has he promised things to you and you've yet to see them come to pass? Are you praising Him in the midst? Because our Word tells us that Zacharias was praying to God. And the way that it is written, he wasn't praying, Lord, give me a son. They were past that. They were up in age. That was a a prayer that had done come and gone, but yet he's still a righteous priest. He's still praying to God, and he's still asking, Lord, send us the Messiah. Because the angel comes and he says, we've heard your prayers and the prayers of your people and the prayers being answered. Praise God. Well, what prayer is that? Well, the Messiah's coming. And we're going to give you a son. It's blessing upon blessing. Not only are you going to receive a son, but that this son is going to be the last prophet of the Old Testament. He's going to be one that the Messiah Himself, and we're, for, we're looking forward in time, obviously. This wasn't all given to Zechariah, but, but we understand through the whole picture that this This John, this John the baptizer would be the one that come in the spirit of Elijah. He would be the one crying with a voice in the wilderness. He would be the one preparing the way 
for the soon coming king. He would be the one that this king would stand up and say that there isn't one that has been born or will be born that is any better than John the Baptist. Isn't that crazy? How, how puffed up would we be if somebody said that about us? You really start to, to think that, Scott, there ain't, been, there ain't been nobody in history as good as you. I doubt there'll be another one that comes. But that wasn't, that wasn't the mission. That wasn't who John the Baptist was. That wasn't even what Christ was saying. See, we take that and we puff up our pride and we're like, <laughs> yeah. Continue to read the verse. He said there isn't one that's been born or will be born that's better than John the Baptist, but yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Isn't that crazy? You think you're better than John the Baptist? The Word of God would say that if you're in the kingdom of heaven, you are, in a sense. We are. We ought to be humbled by that. Because I don't deserve it. I, I haven't prepared the way of God like I should. Although that's what we're called to do. I, I haven't... I haven't cried out with a loud voice in the wilderness of this world saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at heaven. Although that's what we're called to do. I've had the privilege because of the responsibility that I am to baptize several. But I ain't done it like John the Baptist. <laughs> right? I for sure haven't been in this baptistry and, and rebuked people. That's what John the Baptist did. He's, he's dunking people for the remission of their sins. And as they're being held under the water, at least this is in my eyes, they're being held under the water. He's saying, you're a bag of snakes. You need to be doing this too. It's funny, but that's, that's this guy. That's who we're talking about. This is who his father is, is praising God for. And he'll, he'll lose his head for it. He'll die a martyr's death. He'll be one of those gathered around the throne that we see in Revelation saying, Lord, how much longer? Like Habakkuk. Lord, how much longer? And Christ is going to say, until they're all martyred the way that you were. He's there. He's waiting. Verse 67 is a short intro, but it packs a lot of meaning. All of this is done through the Spirit. Right? All of it. So Zechariah speaks by the Spirit. This isn't a small matter. He's given a song of prophetic praise. And we're going to see that this is a reoccurring occurrence for all those who are involved in this. We're going to have the song of Zechariah. There's a song of Mary. There's a song of, uh, of uh, Elizabeth. There's, there's a song of the prophetess Anna. There's, a, there's, there's songs of praise through this. Before the cross, God's Spirit came upon people of old to do and to say many marvelous things. But here, this isn't what we're talking about. This isn't an Old Testament coming, coming on of the Spirit. They were infilled. Infilled. We'll see when Mary comes to Elizabeth the, the Messiah in Mary and the forerunner in Elizabeth 
recognize each other and the forerunner, John the Baptist, leaps in her mother's womb. He's filled with the Spirit and the Word of God says that Elizabeth is too. He fills the house when He comes. That needs to be something that we solidify in our hearts that when God calls us to do a thing, He has already prepared the way for us to do that. I, I think back of my calling to be pastor, and, and in the midst of it, God's answering prayers, He's sending visions, and I'm getting dreams, we can't, me and my wife can't sleep, all this miraculous stuff is happening, and I've got no clue what's supposed to go on. I know something's happening, I don't know how it's happening. When I finally submit it to the Lord, I realized I don't have to know. God knows. I just need to be willing to do whatever He says. And, and that was my prayer. It wasn't like I got a moment of clarity and I'm like, okay, Lord, prepare the way for DeVille, Louisiana for us to come, right? That's not, I just said, Lord, whatever it is, I'm willing. I'm tired of fighting. You're bigger than me. I don't understand completely what's going on, but I know you're trying to do a thing. Just, and then I begin to prepare. I begin to, to pray rightly, the Word of God says, to pray in the will of the God. Will of God, not the God. Will of God. I, went, I meant to say the Lord. Pray in the will of our Lord. And that prayer changed. And it was, Lord, prepare me. Get me out of the way. Lord, anoint me for whatever you have that's coming. Lord, Lord, send a fresh uh, a renewing of my spirit, right? Prepare, he prepared the way. Same thing happened in our salvation. You can look and you say you didn't just pop up one day and you go, I want to be saved. There's a, there's a road, right? There's a, there is a lot of things that happen before your salvation, that's some of that mystery that's revealed to us after the fact. That's some of the things, if you're really honest, that breaks you and humbles you is you're for once able to look back at your life that you thought you was in control of and go, I wasn't in control of nothing. It's been God the whole time. And He's been getting me to this point and this purpose. Praise be to God. Right? That's all we see here is God is preparing His way. For salvation. Zechariah sees this in the Spirit and he begins to prophesy and he says things like, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited us and accomplished redemption for His people. He ain't done that yet. Like Jesus isn't even born yet. The forerunner isn't here yet, but yet in the Spirit, Zechariah already sees the accomplished work, which is crazy. Let us have enough foreknowledge to see the finished work. I don't know how we get there, but I know where we're going, right? I don't, I don't know how we step off into eternity, but I know that's where we're going. I don't know the end of the world, but I know that's, that's where we're going. I don't know when or how Christ comes back, but I know He is. Let's prepare the way. John the Baptist didn't know everything. Read his account. He's in prison and he's sending disciples to, are you, are you really the one? Right? Are you really the one? Or should we look for another one? We want to talk about that like doubting Thomas and this great 
John the Baptist had moments of doubt. Well, he was human just like us, and he's been in prison for a while, and he knows he's not getting out. Are you the one? And it's not even really a sense of doubt. It's almost a sense of urgency. Just are you like, are you going to do what you said that you're going to do? Is it is it happening now? Right. John the Baptist wasn't the only one. His 12 disciples throughout all of the Gospels. Is your kingdom now? Is your kingdom now? Are you going to build your kingdom now? Are you going to do what you said now? He's on the cross. He's in the grave. He's risen. He's coming back. He's eating fish with them. He's, he's just showing up in, in their meeting places. He's on the mountain. He's leaving. And they're like, is it now? They didn't have all the answers. So that's one thing we need to understand this morning. You may not know everything God knows, and that's okay. That's perfectly fine. Rest in what you do know. And that's all He told them in the Great Commission. Don't worry about it. Go and make disciples and and teach them the commandments in which I've taught you. And if you don't know a thing, that's okay. Because I'm going to send a Spirit. And that Spirit is going to lead you into all truth and all righteousness. In other words, what you don't know, I'm going to continue to teach you because I'm not dead. I am alive. And I'm not leaving you alone. I'll never forsake you. I'll never forget you. I'm with you, He said what? Until the end. That's the God we serve. That's the God that Zechariah is praising here. And I love the way that he starts it. He doesn't start off thanking God for the Son. John the Baptist. He, he starts thanking God for His Son. The Messiah. So the first thing is praise to the One to come. He's inspired by the Spirit. Zechariah sees the day being fulfilled in, in the birth of His Son and soon behind the birth of, of the Son, of God's Son through Mary, this long-awaited Messiah, the horn of salvation from the house of David, he's, he's finally on his way. Like, this is, this is happening. Think about that. There hasn't been a prophet since the prophet Malachi. There hasn't been one standing up in the place of the prophet, one standing up in the place in which thus saith the Lord. And the first thing that God says is this miraculous stuff. He didn't ease us back into it. He didn't raise up another minor prophet, right, to say, okay, y'all need to get ready, right? There's one coming. We're going to restart this. No, it's, it's a, an abrupt, immediate time is changing. Here comes this new place. You really look at the prophet uh, Elijah, and John the Baptist, you see a lot of similarities. He, it wasn't Elijah incarnate, right? John the Baptist isn't the prophet Elijah, but he come in the spirit of the prophet Elijah. Same thing happens with Elijah. He's just, it's like he's not there, and then boom, there he is doing these miracles, right? And I want to do that one day. How many miracles did Elijah do? He done 16. Done 16 miracles. Elisha asked for a double portion. How many miracles did he do? He done 32. Pretty neat. I'm not going to give that away because the, the 32nd one is crazy. But um, 
God honors His Word. That's, that's what all that is about. God honors His Word throughout everything. Okay? So John the Baptist was promised to be the forerunner of Christ. Malachi said that. Not everything was given. I don't believe John the Baptist thought he was going to be beheaded. I, don't, I just don't believe that it would be, he thought that he would be martyred. I know it, as the day got closer and closer, he probably realized what was going to happen. But he didn't have all the information in the beginning. So in you and your salvation right now, I know that we're all praying for things. And you don't understand every single thing. Be filled with hope and filled with grace and understand you may not know everything. But as that moment gets closer, it will be revealed to you. We never walk into something without some sense of what's going on. I don't understand all of it. But I do know what's going on. And if all I know is God has me, that's enough. Most of the time, if you're really honest with yourself, that's all we need. I don't know the situation, but I know I'm God's and He's mine. For some, that's not enough. You need to check yourself. For the child of God, knowing that our Father, as it was said in Sunday school this morning, has our back, that's a pretty big deal. Zechariah understood that as a priest. But just like Job, see, Zechariah knew that. But when he's burning those incense and he's struck mute, now he sees it. Right? He sees it. If we listen to the news today, our enemies include... Uh, you know, Al-Qaeda, North Korea, Iran, Muslim extremists, terrorists in general, or maybe it's the opposing political side or, or a group of people uh, that say and do things differently uh, than we do. And I'm not saying that none of that doesn't have a threat. It obviously, it obviously does, but we have a greater enemy this morning to the truth that we're talking about, and, and that's me. That's this flesh. Zechariah had, had a question. This angel comes to him and he spills out what's going to happen and he says, how is this going to happen? How? Right? Not why. I understand why. We need the why. But how? I need to know. Right? That's what Zechariah was saying. And I feel him at a deep level because I just need, I need to know. Like I work at the water department and, and, and we do some, some weird jobs sometimes and, and that'll come out of my mouth so fast before I can even catch it. You know, my, my boss, Mike, will say we need to do this and I'll be like, why? Or how are we going to do that? You know, he ain't even, we, we just know we have a leak. Okay, and he's about to tell us what, how he wants to fix it, Brother Levi, but just, just that fast, I'll be like, how are we going to do that? And you know, sometimes that aggravates people. I've learned. I need, I need to do a better job at just stop being slow to speak, quick to listen, right? And I'm not even doing it. Most of the time I'm playing, but sometimes it ain't the time to play. Y'all pray for me because I need help in that a lot. Brother Ronnie was here. He would amen me. He works with us too. I get myself in and out of trouble really fast, really quick. In trouble faster than out of trouble, Brother Josh. 
I'm my own worst enemy. You are your own worst enemy. God has given us every reason to praise Him and to acknowledge Him and to have hope and trust and faith in Him. And it's me who sabotages that most days. Most days. Let us be like Zechariah when, when the Word of the Lord comes to us. Maybe not as miraculous as this, but when you read in the Word and that promise comes across the page, let doubt not be the first thing that comes through your mind. Praise God. Say, I don't understand how that's going to apply to my life. I don't really think it is applying to my life right now. But praise be to you anyway. You wouldn't be the first one to do that all through the Old and New Testament. I think of Paul and Barnabas in prison singing hymns. I don't believe they was shouting praise. I don't believe it was praise break time. I don't think they was passing the offering plate. Right? I believe it was grief. It was desperation. And, and all they could do was, was sing a hymn because they wanted to die. I read the account. They've been beaten They've been thrown into prison, not in prison, like under the prison, the worst of the worst, and they ain't never getting out. At least that's what the sense is. And all they could do is sing a hymn. Because they didn't know what else to do. They could talk about their woes, but that ain't going to help anything. They know God is still God, and He deserves praise. And they shake the whole house great earthquake comes, and it's not because they were singing really good. I don't believe that, Brother, Brother Matt. I really don't. I don't think they were in key. I don't believe they were harmonizing together. I don't think the rest of the jail were like, man, that was really good. You know, next, next time we have a family event here at the jailhouse, we need to get them to stand up and sing. They're pretty good. I don't believe that's the way it was. But I believe it was honest, it was humble, and it was in the rightness of heart and it touched heaven. Because what we see in the account is that God sends an earthquake and He takes the shackles off. Not just them, of the whole jail. And the jailer being a Roman, knowing his only job is to keep the people in the jail. And now the whole jail is busted open. How many people's in there? We know there's at least two beat up old people. But there's a lot more in there. And he's one jailer, and he takes his sword out to end his life because that's better than whatever's about to happen to me. And Paul speaks out and says, don't do that. We're all here. And what comes out of that is salvation, not just for the jailer, but for him and his household. And I don't believe it stopped there. Because we still read of events like that happening. Events like Zechariah when he's given his voice back. And if st instead of saying, and to close the way we started, he got to offer incense. Like that's, he wanted to go home and tell his wife, I, got to, I finally got chosen to do something really cool. And the first thing that comes out of his mouth is, God, you're great. You're glorious. You're merciful. You have sent salvation to us. And you're doing it using my son. That's humbleness. That's the way we, sh we need to be in our life. 
And that's that second part of, of Zechariah's song. Has, it has to do with John the Baptist. So the first of all these verses, two-thirds of it is acknowledging God for who He is and Christ for who He will be. And then the last part is about His Son. And it doesn't say anything super spectacular other than what's already been prophesied. Matter of fact, if you have a Bible like mine, most of what Zechariah says is in all, all small case caps, meaning it's, it's Old Testament speech, it's Old Testament prophecy. And there's a difference between knowledge of salvation and, and the real thing. A lot of people talk about being saved, but they fail to experience the joy of the new life in Christ because they haven't been given new life in Christ. John told people to repent of their sins. This is what he would go on to do. To repent of their sins. And that's all well and good. We need to do that. But he would go on to say, repent because the kingdom is coming. There's a reason. There's a reason why we tell people to repent. There's a reason why we stand here and sit here and hear the same thing over and over again because I need to repent today. I repented yesterday. I asked God to cover me in His mercy and His grace. Well, guess what? He's given me another day. Do it again. Plan. Go ahead and plan today to do it tomorrow because you're going to need it. I want to end with this hymn from uh, Charles Wesley. He took this image of, of this, this prophecy and he set it to music and it's with his words. He's way better at words than I am. The hymn begins with praise and it ends with a prayer. And, and, and I believe that's how we should mold our life in this Christian walk. You need to begin everything in praise and end it in prayer. That's what we need. So the name of it is Christ whose glory fills the skies. And it goes like this. Christ whose glory fills the skies. Christ, the true and only light, Son of righteousness, arise. Triumph over the shades of night. Day spring from on high be near. Day star in my heart appear. Dark and cheerless is the morn and unaccompanied by Thee. Joyless is the day's return till Thy mercy beams I see. Till Thy inward light appears, glad my eyes and warm my heart. Visit then this soul of mine, pierce the gloom in sin and grief, fill me radiance divine, scatter all my unbelief. More and more thy self-display shining to the perfect day. That needs to be our prayer. That needs to be our life in everything. In the midst of great despair, in the midst of great joy, in the midst of suffering, whether that be for Christ or just plain old general suffering of living in a fallen world, let us... Begin with praise and end with prayer. And what you're going to find as we stand this morning is circumstance isn't going to change. 
I'm not claiming no miraculous thing. If all I do is praise the Lord and I pray about it, it's going to dissolve into nothingness. But what you're going to find is you're able to bear it, whatever the thing is. You're, you're able to go through that thing. And what you find is what's been so in your face, all of a sudden, in the midst of a great and powerful God, it's not as big as maybe we think it is. It's still a thing. It's still there. But it's not as big of a problem because God is bigger. He, he's worthy of all praise. He's worthy of all glory. We need to pray to Him. Amen. These altars are open this morning. Lord, I thank You for this season, for this time, O oh God, where we reflect back at what You have done for us, Lord, that this is the beginning of Your, your ministry here on earth, Lord. And as You come lowly, Lord, we wait and we anticipate You coming again high and lifted up, all power and all authority being given to You, Lord. I ask us to understand this and to hide it in our heart, Lord, and to use it as You have intended, Lord, and to use us as You have intended. Lord, I ask this in Your name. Amen.